I'm Alex Travis. And I'm Maureen Friedley. I'm Alex Travis. And I'm Maureen Friedley. This is a high horse podcast. Uh, where we're Fucking leaving. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're good. All right. Oh my gosh. I think we've just got like. Whatever. <laughs> one second weird delay, of course, right when we're trying to record at the very beginning. So. I know. We were just talking about how good the connection was. At some, at, at some point, we'll have that intro down. You know, today's <laughs> not that day. <laughs> uh okay okay well, so today really we're talking about um yeah I was gonna say go I'm really excited to talk about this today um especially since I feel like it's been a running theme for this week with things that I've seen on social media so yeah. I think I think that we decided to do this for this next episode is perfect timing but we're gonna talk about um yeah cosmic timing Right. So today we're going to be talking about uh, training methods. Specifically, Alex and I both have changed our training methods with our horses, um, having started with what is known as the method, which is mostly related to Clinton Anderson um, and how we have now moved to a plus R or a positive reinforcement type of training. So Alex, do you want to start with uh, with Roni's background with training and everything? Yeah. And so I think it's important to know, uh, just for legal purposes, the method is trademarked. Um, so when we say the method, that is Clinton Anderson's method. He okay. has trademarked that legally. Um, <clears throat> and I think it's uh, just for full transparency. I, I try to do mostly plus R, but um, I'm not exclusively plus R. You know, my methods and what I do are very um, tailor-made to the horse, mm-hmm. uh, situation-based. So whatever, um, I need on that day, that's what I'm going to use depending on the animal. I try to stay within the plus R, um, uh, realm because it's, it's just proven to be more effective, but there are some situations I think in terms of safety, et cetera, where, you know, I kind of have to deviate from that a little bit. So, um, I like to start by talking about, um, what is plus R, plus R or positive reinforcement, so the plus stands for positive, um, is a form of operant conditioning. And whether anybody wants to realize it, acknowledge it or accept it, so is the method. The method is also operant conditioning. However, it is on the other end of that pundit square where it is negative punishment and negative reinforcement, where positive reinforcement is only positive reinforcement. Right. initially when I started Roni, I was using the method, you know, pressure and release and pressure and release, depending on how it is applied can be positive reinforcement. Mm -hmm. However, the positive reinforcement is, um, release of pressure, which, you know, you kind of get into a gray area psychologically and in terms of classifying it within the operating conditioning realm uh, as to what it is. So uh, as to what that is. Um, But essentially when you're releasing pressure, say you're using Clinton Anderson's method and you're releasing pressure, um, that horse, because what Clinton Anderson's method does is it, it creates a stress mindset for both the trainer and the horse. And so you're applying pressure, stress, 
applying pressure, stress, applying pressure, stress, ask, tell, demand, ask, tell, demand until you get the desired response and then you're releasing. The release of that stress or that pressure is then the positive reinforcement. It, not to get too specific or muddy the waters too much. Right. Um, unless you're, you know, really using Clinton Anderson's method where he says, ask, tell, demand, and demand is a swat with the stick. Then you've thrown positive reinforcement out the window and it's no longer positive reinforcement at that point. Um, I think what was important for me was realizing, you know, the, the data and the science behind what I was actually doing. And, um, it took having a really bad wreck and concussing my brain, uh, giving myself another brain injury. Cause I've had two brain injuries, uh, and in, why well, one brain injury before that. And then I had two brain injuries as a result of Roni. So once you've had a TBI, um, any concussion after that is is going to fall into that same category of a brain injury. It's no longer just a concussion, mm -hmm. especially because um, my second, my third brain injury was set not not even seven days after my second one, and oh. that's very dangerous. Yeah. yeah, that's very dangerous territory. So um, it took having a brain injury, breaking my collarbone, breaking my shoulder, to realize I was creating a dangerous horse. I was not fostering the relationship that I wanted. Um, and it was showing in how reactive he was because I knew Roni had it in him to be very quiet, very mentally sound and very physically capable. Um, and it was my shortcomings that was pre preventing him from getting there. And um, at that time, I was also you know, this was well over a year ago now, uh, closer to two years, actually, I think if I look back on my timeline, but, um, we're coming up on two years, I think. Anyways, I started reconnecting with, um, my culture and my indigenous roots and just realized how wrong the way I was treating him was, you know, it wasn't fair. It wasn't in reality, you know, it wasn't, I want to say that it wasn't abusive, but it is hitting is abusive for no, for no other reason than not getting the behavior that I wanted. And it's so sick and disgusting. And it's really disappointing for me to say that out loud now, like that hurts to realize that, that I was, I was doing that to him. He didn't need that at all. He's so soft, you know, um, and responsive and willing. And the way I was treating him was just barbaric, mm -hmm. you know, asking him to yield his four quarters or hind quarters. Um, ask till demand, you know, if he wasn't doing it, I'd pop him with a stick. Yeah. And Jesus Christ, that wasn't necessary. That wasn't necessary at all. You know, all I have to do now is look at my horse and he'll, you know, does whatever I ask. If I put Tegan up on his back, he's feather soft. And yeah. people have commented on that in videos. I didn't get there with him with that model. I did not get there with him with the method. I did not get there with him with ask till demand. I got there with him through empathy, compassion, and understanding and, and ignoring everything I didn't like, rewarding everything I did. And ironically enough, what flipped the switch for me actually, and this was pretty recent, you know, this was like uh, November, December, maybe January of yeah. this year. Um, I was, so I, anybody that might follow Brooke Jordan or Ranch Rumors on TikTok, and I think she's ranch rumors on Instagram as well. If you're not 
following her already go give her a follow she's amazing um love her to death she's good people mm-hmm. she said in what she was round petting a horse i think it was boomer it might have been boomer or fluttershy but either way she was round petting a horse and she was talking about um the horse dropping its head and then that's when she would ask them to stop and she said when i'm working with my horse in the round pen or or whatever I ignore everything I don't like and reward everything I do. Mm-hmm. And then I, I scrolled through her page and I thought she's, you know, she's in clicker training and I had never seen anybody use clicker training with a horse or positive reinforcement. She was the first person. And I thought, holy shit, this makes so much sense. You know, you're rewarding the horse. You're keeping them licking and chewing. You're not reprimanding them. And then it just, it, it was a whole mindset shift. So thank you, Brooke, for that. You were actually the person that um, set me on the path that I am now. You know, prior to that, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but what I'm doing now isn't working. And Mm -hmm. what I'm doing now doesn't align with my personal and cultural beliefs. So I quit using the method and Roni and I just kind of sat for months and months and months, not knowing the direction I was going to go, but just knowing that what I was doing wasn't working. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, Brooke, Brooke's. TikTok was actually what kind of set me on the path that I am now. Reward everything you you like and ignore everything you don't. And that makes so much sense, right? Because this is a prey animal. Right. And when you look at it from a, a purely scientific perspective, um, a predator's goal is what? To find prey, to find food. That's a predator's number one goal in life because that's how you survive and that's how you eat and that's how you sustain your body to produce offspring. That's your number one goal, whether or not you're a human being a chimpanzee or a wolf. That's your goal. Yeah. What is a prey animal's goal? To keep from becoming food. To keep from becoming the predator's dinner. Right. So when you start behaving like a predator, that animal, whether or not it's this much or this much, whether or not it's 0.01% or 99%, you're inducing stress. And we have shown through data and science, you cannot learn effectively when under stress. And if you do, you will create a trauma response. Mm-hmm. You will. We see this in special forces operators all the time. Oh, yeah. And, and that really was very impactful for me because I worked very, with, very closely with uh, a number of different three-letter agencies uh, a number of different operators uh, throughout my military career and post-military career. Um, and are they effective and responsive in stress situations? Sure, they are. But look at how it impacts the rest of the aspects of their life. Right. The adrenaline seeking, the inability to um, maintain certain types of intimate uh, personal relations, et cetera, et cetera. Horses are no different. It just um, bleeds through in their life in different ways. Right. Um, and it was pretty obvious with Roni because he was giving me the big old middle finger uh, anytime we were together. And, you know, shortly before I saw that TikTok, it was just, it's all very cosmic timing, right? It's kind of funny. I was round petting him, trying to do the same thing that she was doing. I said, TikTok is like listening to our conversations all the time. And so sometimes <laughs> it's really good, right? Because it what, put what me it on like this path with people, your- but your personal FBI. Yeah, but it's kind of fucking creepy. No, seriously, it is. So I like, 
it was probably two or three weeks before I saw her TikTok that I was round petting Roni. And one of the primary things I had been working on prior to that was, was getting him in a collected frame. Mm-hmm. That's all I wanted. And I wasn't doing it under saddle. I was doing it all from the ground. I wanted him in a collected frame. I, I wanted him to have, to maintain a nice top line and to be in a nice low collective frame. We know that when the horse's head is low, they're more relaxed, blah, blah, blah. No matter what I did with that goddamn horse, he would not drop his head. He would not drop his head. And I was looking for reasons everywhere I could, I could try. You know, I was like, well, he's got fox trotter in him and they have a naturally high headset and blah, blah, blah. No, 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 no. That wasn't it. Yeah. He wasn't comfortable around me. He wasn't comfortable. He, his head was high because he was on alert because I was behaving like a predator with a lunge whip in my hand. Bottom line. Yeah. Bottom line. So I did a couple of things after that TikTok I saw. I stopped lunging him, period. And I stopped round penning him, period. And I became more fair with him. Um, and I started listening to him more, you know, and the difference was night and day. You know, I ignored, you know, whenever he'd do the head tossing and kind of be shitty with me or refuse, I would just ignore that. And slowly over time, I also began to realize I was seeing a lot of Roni in myself and a lot of myself in Roni. Mm-hmm. And the same could be said of me. The more, the more attention you give the negative behavior, the more you give in to like the shit talking and um, the grudge holding, the more I'm going to give it back to you for sure. Yeah. If you just ignore it altogether and don't give it any energy, well, it's not worth my time anymore. So <clears throat> I just started ignoring all that and, and only rewarding the try, even if it was the smallest try, I'd reward it. Um, and food is definitely the fastest way to his heart. So, you know, we were using treats at that point and I had been, you know, like when I would teach things like ground tying and stuff, I would use a keyword. And so I was kind of in essence doing some target training with him. Um, but I wasn't as fully committed and I wasn't doing it as effectively as I am now. Right. Um, and certainly I, I don't, uh, especially with running. I don't use any force because the second you start forcing him or you, you know, puff your chest out and, and get frustrated, he shuts down. Mm-hmm. And that is what the method does. The method creates shutdown horses. Um, I have yet to see a method trained horse that has a good relationship with people and that likes to go to work every last, even if, even when you look at some of Clinton Anderson's videos, um, his horse, Mindy, I think her name is Mindy, the one he had for like 20 years and now she's retired. I believe, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, she's, you see that, you can see it in her demeanor. She's shut down. Mm-hmm. And when he asks her to move out and asks her to do things, boy, she gets up out of his face quick. Um, and there, I'm sure there's a reason for that. And- um, See, and it's interesting that you bring it up that way. So that was- because most people would say, oh, she does it so quick. That's a positive thing because she did it quickly. That's a fear response. Exactly. That's a fear response. Um, and you can just tell by her body language and how tense her body is. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, there's just no, you know, it, it doesn't matter how you cut it up to me, Maureen. There's no, and there's no need for that. Like there's no need why why should your horse have to move out on the circle that quickly yeah why why for what 
what do you do? Why? I just, and nobody can ever give you a reasonable answer. Well, it's the respectful thing to do. That's bullshit. Mm-hmm. A horse, you're anthropomorphizing your horse. Your horse has no fucking concept of respect in the context you're creating it. Your yes. horse is not human. Your horse is not human. Your horse does not understand respect or disrespect or hate or like or dislike in the context that you're creating it. They don't. Do they have emotions? Yes. Do they have thoughts? Yes. But not in that context. That horse moves out on the circle in the way that she does out of fear because she has had her shit kicked in for not doing it. Right. Point blank, end of story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just don't see a fucking need for that personally. So can, can, can you get a horse as quick as on a dime using positive reinforcement? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Um, I think the barrier for people a lot of the times is one ego naturally all the time, always. Right. And two, it's this, um, conceptualization of the amount of time that they have. And in essence, for me, that's a cop out. That's an excuse. I don't want to hear that period. Um, and it also is accepting responsibility on yourself. So with the method or with any kind of negative reinforcement and punishment, um, that's so easy. It's so easy to take the lunge whip or the training stick and smack your horse with it. That's not hard. Anyone can do that. Should you? No. But anybody can. Um, having proper timing when target training or when clicker training is hard. Yeah. That is a skill you also have to learn as a handler. Yeah, for That's sure. That's not easy. Um, I can't tell you how many people, and it, it almost gets a little bit exhausting, a little bit annoying to hear this from people. Well, positive reinforcement or treat training creates pushy horses. No, all you have done is tell me that you're not delivering the reward at proper timing. That's your fault. If you have created a pushy horse, you are not delivering the reward when you should. You are rewarding a pushy horse and that's why the horse is pushy. Right. Period. I don't know a horse that likes food more than the three of all horses like food. That's their whole, that's their whole purpose in life is to like food. That's what keeps them alive. Right. Um, None of my horses are pushy. None of my horses take treats from my hands. None of them. Because they know that's not how they will get it. Mm -hmm. Period. Period. Well, my horse gets nippy. Well, then you're not delivering the treat at the proper timing. And so that um, is a barrier for people, right? Because it takes um, skill development. Right. And it takes um, practice. And there's no guarantee you're going to get good at it. Right. The one of the one things Clinton Anderson does get right is timing. Timing is everything when training a horse, because that horse has millions of years of evolution to give it good timing. It yeah. has to have good timing in order to stay alive, in order to avoid predators. Um, we don't. We're lazy. Right. We're like the youngest species out there. You know, we don't have a lot of that nice um, biological evolution behind us. So, I mean, we do, but in this context, it's more difficult. Mm-hmm. So, um, and timing, you either have it or you don't. And if you don't, you have to build it, but there's no guarantee over time you'll get better. It's like, um, any other sport, archery or whatever you, 
you can, you can start it and maybe you're a natural, right? Like, uh, my daughter, uh, Kennedy, I just posted some videos yesterday to my Instagram of them practicing archery. Now, Kennedy, because of her size and her proportions, she's very easy at loading the bow and loosening the arrow because she's bigger and stronger, blah, 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 blah. Right. Tegan has naturally better aim. Aim is not something that will necessarily improve with time. Right, yeah. However, loading the arrow and building that muscle memory will. Yes. So there's no guarantee that over time you will improve. You should, in theory, right? If you have any kind of cognitive ability at all, you should get better. But um, there is a learning curve and there is um, a disparaging difference, right? Between the people who are just good at it and the people who have to work to get good at it. And most people don't want to work to get good at it. They'd rather just pick up the stick and whack their horse. Right. Um, I can certainly tell you that the method would not work on any of my horses now. The method does not work on abused horses. The method does not work on neglected horses. I don't think it works on any horse personally, um, based on seeing the types of horses it produces. Right. Um, and, and having my own experiences, you know, like Cricket and I made leaps and bounds in the right direction after I stopped trying to use pressure and release with her. Pressure was just too much. Uh, Sully came to me trained with a flag. You know, Buck Brandeman's big on the flag. And I respect Buck Brandeman as a horseman. I think he's one of the softer, more soft-natured, kind-hearted horsemen that are out there that, you know, kind of have a big program underneath their belt but Brandeman Brandeman is known for using the flag and I think the flag is just a lot of pressure yes you know and horses don't need that horses don't use flags with each other or any of that other shit I think people that um start liberty work realize very rapidly mm. how little a horse needs to learn um just your presence is enough, but you have to learn how to use your presence. You have to learn how to read your own energy, your own demeanor, and control it. Mm -hmm. That is very hard for people because most people have no idea what kind of energy they're casting out into the world. Right. Um, so I think that is a big barrier for a lot of people with plus R. Um, or even liberty work, et cetera, any method that is not pressure and release. Mm -hmm. Pressure and release certainly has its place. Um, but again, and I said this before, not in the way that people think that it does. You know, pressure is not smacking your horse with a stick. Pressure is not whacking them across the hind with the lunge whip because they're not cantering out when you ask them to. That's not pressure. That's attack. Yes. And that's exactly how your horse sees it. Mm -hmm. um, so for those people who are very committed to pressure and release or believe that that is like the premier way to train a horse, I would really encourage you to do more digging into what pressure and release actually should look like. Um, you know, all of the really well-respected horsemen in the world that use pressure and release, hardly any of them will physically make contact on their horse with um, a tool of any kind because your tool shouldn't be weapons. And it's ironic to me because Clinton Anderson himself says that, 
Mm-hmm. Your tool shouldn't be a weapon. Well, you're hitting them with it. Do we not, are we not on the same page as to what the definition of a weapon is? Because that seems like a weapon to me. Yeah, it goes back to the idea that you said of the whole, you know, we're looking at things in the context uh, of people and not in the context of horses. People look at, you know, the Clinton Anderson stick and they say that's a tool. Horses look at the Clinton Anderson stick and say Right. So, yeah. I don't, I don't even necessarily agree with that. I think that um, if you're hitting someone with something, that's a fucking weapon. And any court of law in the United States would see it the same way. If I took that Clinton Anderson stick and smacked you with it, you could press charges. And right. I would be charged with hitting you assault with a weapon. Period. Period. It's a weapon if you're hitting someone with it. Right. But I'm just saying that um, people look at it and even though... You know, if it was person to person, yes, absolutely, it's a weapon. But for what, for some reason, it stops there, and we say they don't translate that onto their yeah, horses. Exactly. Yeah. Once we we take that stick and we hit a person with it, it's a weapon. But for some reason, there is there is this weird divide that we've created where when we turn around and then we use that same stick to hit the horse, now it's a tool. Oh, the, the answer to that that is very simple. People don't convey the same um, empathy. Yes. And the same or rights or even um, autonomy onto their horses. Mm-hmm. The horse d- isn't deserving because it's not um, sentient enough. They don't believe the horse is sentient enough or self-aware enough to be deserving of that same respect. Right. When in, in reality, that's not true at all. Um, and that's sad to me. I think because what do you stand to lose by just acknowledging that your horse has thoughts and emotions? They do. They have a brain. They have the same fucking neurochemicals that you have. How ignorant can you be to think that those neurochemicals can't be used in the same way? Horses mourn. They mourn. They grieve. Um, they experience joy. You know, when I came back from the trip, it was longer than I expected uh, to go get my girls. Um, and when I showed back up at the property, when Roni saw me, he reared up and did a little hop and kicked out. He was excited. Mm -hmm. He was happy to see me. Um, so I don't know. I, and, and, and I will never win with those people, right? Those people that are like, no, they don't feel the same things. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. You just don't want to see it because as soon as you acknowledge that, it will make you very inhumane. It will make you um, feel very badly about how you've treated them. Right. Period. That's my opinion. Um, And it's just so evident when you look at positive reinforcement trainers or, um, you know, liberty trainers that they're the relationship with their animals their animals, the way their animals perform. Um, Night and day difference. Night and day difference. When I walk to the corrals with a halter, all of my horses have their ears forward. Mm -hmm. They're all at the gate. They all want to work with me. None of my horses see the halter and run away. You know, that's not one of the number one questions I get on my page is how do I make my horse easy to catch? Every single one of those people wants a simple, fast, easy answer. Mm -hmm. When in reality, the number one way you can get a horse that is easy to catch is to build a good relationship with that horse. Right. Stop doing, stop being cruel. Stop doing mean shit to them. Treat them fairly. And you won't, you won't need to even use, 
you know, clicker training or positive reinforcement training or whatever. Just be fair to them and they won't avoid you. Because that's really what it is, right? When we say, oh, our horse is hard to catch. My horse is avoiding me. Yeah. Um, well, why does your horse avoid you? Why doesn't your horse want to be caught? None of them want to have that conversation. Um, well, and then I just respond, well, then I can't help you. Why doesn't your horse want to be with you? A horse that is hard to catch is saying that he doesn't want to be with you. Why not? What are you doing to that horse that he doesn't want to be around you? It's not that I don't make my horses work. They sure do. They absolutely do work, but I'm fair to them and I don't mistreat them. And right. so none of them mind working. They all like it. Mm-hmm. Um, what I, you know, and I'll never get the people that are like, well, I, and I was one of those people, right? Like I, I, I have videos on my page of me saying, well, I just won't have treats all the time. I can't go out with a bucket of grain all the time to catch my horses, but it's not about that. It's not about that. Once you, I think it's, it's a really a mindset shift, like I said, and it's a lifestyle shift when you realize what positive reinforcement can do for your program and for your horses and for the relationship you build with them, because it just opens your mind a little bit to being receptive to the concepts that horses have a little bit more depth than most people give them credit for. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, it, 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 it makes you treat them differently, period. Yeah. Um, and I think that was what was hard for me initially, because I was like, he gets everything. He gets his vaccines. He gets good quality hay, he gets good quality grain. You know, he gets adequate shelter. He gets all the things he needs. My husbandry is perfect. Why doesn't, you know, why isn't he being fair to me? Well, because that wasn't the problem. I was still fucking whipping on him, yeah. man. Like, and not as bad as some people, but I was. I was. Roni wouldn't back for me. That was one of our initial issues. He wouldn't back up when I would ask him to back, no matter what I did, that fucking horse wouldn't back. And, um, well, what does the method tell you to do? Hit them, whip them with the lunge whip across the legs, across the chest. And then if they won't back up still, what do you do? You pop them in the jaw. Yep. Well, let me tell you something. Roni still didn't back. He reared up in the air and threatened to fucking knock my ass into the next century. Yeah. And even then I still, I still didn't come to my senses, Maureen. So it's not like, I don't know how stubborn and hard headed this community can be. I was one of them. Yeah. I was one of them. And now I look back at the way I treated him and I'm like, Christ, God, that's disgusting. I'm disgusted in myself. I'm no better than some of the fucking videos that come across my DMs. Yeah. I am now, but I wasn't then. Yeah. Um, Cause I was, I mean, I was, I would take that lunch whip and I'd fucking hammer him across the chest. Like, God damn it. You'll back. You'll back because you will respect me. Sound familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't about that. Roni wouldn't back because he didn't feel safe. He didn't trust me to be his eyes behind him. Yeah, exactly. And now he does. I can tell that horse to back up anywhere. And he will. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, I mean, that's kind of why I'm just really intolerant to those beliefs now because I was those beliefs. I was that method. I was, um, and look where it got me. I mean, I almost fucking died. And even to this day, like I still stutter. My memory is garbage. Um, I have a lot of like residual from those brain injuries. Um, and my my neurologist was very plain to me after the, the third one, he said, you don't have another one in you. Yeah. You do this again, you're done. You're going to be lucky to even be in a wheelchair and require help. 
with like basic daily tasks like eating. Um, so choose wisely. Yeah. And now, and and that forced me to be more careful. Like, and that's why I took a break from Roni and, 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 and trying to get him under saddle and stuff because I was like, I can't, I literally can't afford to fall off again. Right. I can't afford to get kicked or, you know, have my head bonked against something. It'll be the last time. That'll be it. Um, so I'm thankful that it wasn't worse, but I'm so horrified. I'm so horrified at um, where we came from. I'm grateful now. Um, I'm grateful to Brooke. I'm grateful to, you know, all the other amazing horsemen that I have made acquaintances with or that I've taken from their content and grown. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't want people to get misconstrued in thinking that I have always been this person or that, um, that I'm not still also growing. Right. Because I've had a lot of growing pains in the last year as a horseman um, and as a trainer. And still, you know, like with Sully, um, part of Sully's problem is that he's big and that's not his problem. It's mine, right? Like yeah. if I was a six foot four man, if I was a 250 pound man, that'd be no problem. It'd be like me working with Roni, but he's big. And I have a very healthy fear of getting hurt. Right. And because of that, I am just, I, I have this like intense fear of him. He invokes a very intense fear in me that is so unfair to him because he's never done anything to deserve it other than just being big. Mm -hmm. um, but he's also aware of his size and he knows like, mm, if I don't want to do something, I don't have to. So that's why I say, you know, I'm not fully plus R, you know, there are certain situations where I will deviate from plus R in order to maintain safety. Like, um, you know, with Sully, it was really important with the imminent weather we're having that he become halter broken now. Yeah. Because if we have a flash flood or some crazy weather and I need to load them on a trailer and leave, I've, I've got to be able to load him on a trailer and leave. Yeah. He can't um, be unmanageable. So he needed to get halter broken like that. Um, and so I threw a loop on him, you know, and it wasn't something that I wanted to do. But we really regressed, Sully and I. You know, we did really great for the first week um, using Strictly Plus R. And then he just became totally, like, refu refusal to the max. He was like, nope, I don't want to be around you. I don't want to touch you. I don't want you to touch me. You're not going to be in my space. No. But he was still very curious. Like, he'd come and greet me at the fence. He would nicker to me. He would whinny to me. But when it would come to working, no. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. Um, and so I was still fair to him. You know, I, I tossed a loop on him. Um, but I never yanked on him. I never pulled on him. I never um, tried to cowboy him. I just put the loop on him so that he could see your size is not going to keep you right from getting to the same end goal. We're going to get there still. Um, and I still use treats. I still used positive reinforcement, even with the loop. Right. Um, it was just so that we had a connection, a physical connection to each other um, while we were going through that. And so he still essentially haltered at liberty. Um, and the, what the loop did was teach him to give to pressure. 
because I'm never going to outmuscle that horse. I couldn't even outmuscle Sage probably if she, if she wanted to yank me around, she could. Um, but I think it instilled in him a little bit of pressure and release. Um, and that the concept that like his size, I wasn't going to allow his size to be a barrier anymore. Um, so like when I put the, through the loop on him, I would just barely make it tight. And the second he would give me any kind of try, I'd let it go. And I'd give him a treat. And then, you know, eventually we, we got the halter on totally. I, you know, he was just standing there with me. He let me put the halter on and then the lead rope. And I took the loop off of him and let him around. And that's how that went. But he knew like, if I raise my head up, she can't reach me. Mm-hmm. And if I run off, she can't stop me. And so that's what he would do. Like he just, he didn't want, he just didn't want to. Um, And now he's doing much better. You know, we haven't been able to really progress any further because of the mud, but um, he has a softness in his demeanor and he's not afraid of the loop. He's not afraid of the halter or the lead rope or nothing. You know, when I, when I come in with them, he's still the same horse as he is without them. So I know it hasn't had a negative impact on him. Um, But there are times when I, I, and you know, could we have gotten there eventually without it? I will say probably, but I'm not going to say a hundred percent because of the horse I know Sully to be. Um, And if we did, I think it would have taken a very, very, very long time. Um, and we just don't have that luxury right now with the weather that we have um, or even the fires. Like the fires were really scary because I thought, oh, fuck, what am I going to do if we, we have to evacuate? That was like less than 30 miles from my house. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we would have been screwed because Sully, I would have had to turn him loose. because he wasn't halter broke. Yeah. I would have had to turn him loose and hope that we found him or hope that he didn't put himself through a fence. Um, <clears throat> but I'm pretty committed to not using force uh, unless it's, and I don't even know that I would really call that force. Um, when I say I threw the loop on him, I mean, I put it on him. Yeah. Like I held the loop up of the neck rope and he put his head through it. And I gave him a treat and then you know he ran his holes but with the neck rope right so even then I wasn't like catching him I wasn't throwing the neck rope on him and then reining him in I held it up and he put his head through so it was still willing on his end right and we did that two days on the first day and then the second day and the second it's not like on the second day he didn't know what was coming I held it up he put his head through and we we had our little come to Jesus together Mm-hmm. Um, very melodramatic come to Jesus, but it still worked. So, um, like I said, I think there's a time and place for everything, but it's all in the application, the timing and the execution. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if I had thrown the loop on him, that would have had a much different outcome, a much different effect than what we did. Um, <clears throat> So that's, that's kind of where I am with my herd um, and what led me to this place. So I, when Brooke hears this, I hope she gets a, a kick out of that. <laughs> I'm sure she will. 
Um, what about you and Chap? Uh, so Chap, I've said before, he is like wild adjacent from his start. He um, wild adjacent. I love that. He is not a BLM Mustang. He um, was basically somebody had 80 acres that they had fenced on four sides and they threw horses on it. And Chap came to be one of those horses from the original crew that they had, I guess. Um, so he's a Frisian paint cross. They used to have a Frisian stud out there. But um, so he was just like a, a backyard Mustang. Uh, how I came yeah. to get him was he was four. And at that time I had another horse, um, a mayor that I had rescued, her name was Sparta. And she, I sent her to a trainer in the hopes that, you know, she would be my horse. And we found that she had an injury that made her really dangerous to have around my kids. And, uh, and so that wasn't going to work out. And at that time, this particular trainer had made a deal with me that she was going to go pick up a couple of these horses from this, you know, backyard, uh, Mustang group. And, um, she had said, if you keep the two studs that I'm picking up, if you keep them on your property and you pay for the gelding and keep them while they recover and everything, you can have your choice of the two that I grab and, and I'll train, um, train him up for your husband originally was, he was supposed to be for my husband. And so I was like, yeah, that's a great deal. I'll take that. And a long story short, she ended up being, she used the Clinton Anderson math method and she ended up just not being a good person in general. Um, the, mm. what I paid for and what I was expecting was to have a horse that had 30 rides on it and had been taken off property and taken on trail rides and everything. Oh, wow. That was a horse that basically was green, but safe enough to be able to take on the trails and start putting miles on. And that is not what I got. Um, you know, obviously I've cut all ties with her and everything now, but she, um, chap came to me and he barely had what, what I would even consider a real ride with her. Um, I witnessed one of them and I actually filmed it. I have it on my phone and a ride for chap was she would hold him on the ground have her stepdaughter sit on him and they would sit there for like five minutes and then the stepdaughter would get off. Oh, wow. Endangering a child. That's nice. Yeah. So that was, that was a ride for a chap and he had maybe five of those. So sitting on him, sitting on him, not even moving, just sitting. That's it. She would, she would sit on him and have him flex side to side, which again is a really big thing that the method encourages. Oh, so she did. Ride. She definitely used the method. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. yeah, when the cup, um, when I sit on chap, his initial reaction is to immediately flex to one side. So it takes a little while to get him going. That's sad. Um, but so he came home with me and I was like, I am cutting ties with this lady. This is no good. I guess that I'm just going to go off and do this by myself. Now I have zero training experience whatsoever. Chap is my first horse that I've owned right out. I've never had experiences with horses that had no training background. So I was like, all right, well, mm. I guess if we're going to do this, we're going to just jump right in and do it. Um, thankfully my farrier is super knowledgeable. And she said, you know, I will, I will come out once a week and work with chap. And so she started working with him, um, January mm -hmm. of 2020. 
and she worked with him for about a year. It wasn't super consistent, but it was enough for me to get more comfortable for chap to actually have rides put on him and everything. Um, and we got him to a pretty good point where he was, he went off property a few times. I rode him in an arena at an obstacle clinic. Um, and we, we've done one trail ride together where he did buck me off, but it wasn't anything like malicious or anything like that. Um, but he, his big thing is, you know, did he buck? He did, but he, or did he crow hop? It's more crow hop. So okay. he, it was very much what happened. What it was is, is chap has a fear or is, you know, he used to be a lead stallion. He had his own little band. And so chap is very much, he's like me where I am like aware of everything around me and chaps very much the same way. And chaps biggest obstacle is when things are higher than him, especially because he's such a big boy. When things are higher than him, he is like on mm. full alert. So on that particular trail ride, we were going through an area that had trees that were overhanging the trail. So it was like a little tree tunnel. Mm. And I knew going into it, it's going to be a high stress situation for him. And he was doing great. And then, you know, maybe a a grasshopper hopped up somewhere or whatever, but he just spooked himself and he went one way and I tried to recover. And then he's in that whole melee, he did another little hop in the other direction and I couldn't catch myself and I fell on the ground. So, but he recovered really quickly from that. But then again, you know, like, like we were saying earlier, chap, once he has a bad thing like that, half what, you know, what is considered bad to him, he shuts down. He is very much. Well, and that's what the method does, right? Like he, he very much was like, you know, well now I did, I did something wrong. So now it's a bad day you know, I lost my ride. Right. Well, the negative punishment and negative, yeah, negative punishment and negative reinforcement create those kind of responses, regardless of the mammal they're being used on. doesn't matter if you're training a dolphin, a child or a Mm -hmm. horse, when you are using negative punishment and negative reinforcement, as soon as they make an error, they are anticipating a negative response from you regardless. So that's kind of the catch 22, you know, it's, it's going to create a shutdown horse, or at least at a minimum, a horse that is anticipating, um, reprimand. Yes. Yeah. And that's, and chap learned really quick. I mean, he's, he's a smart boy for him. He realized the thing that I disliked the most about the method when it came down to it was, you know, it's really big on the whole idea of moving the horse's feet mm-hmm. when you aren't getting the response or the action that you're wanting to quote unquote, reestablish that dominance or that respect. Oh my God. Don't and, get me started. Yeah. And for chap moving his feet is easy for him, you know? Yeah. The hard part is making him stop and work and think and problem solve. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And think Which is interesting to see now that we do the Liberty training, he, he can no longer just be like, you know, well, I'm just going to wait until she has me move my feet and then we'll be done for the day. You know, now he's, now he has to figure yeah. out what it is that yeah. I'm asking of him and he has to keep trying until he, you know, he, his treat that I use is as I cut carrots up for him. Cause that's what keeps his attention the best. Mm-hmm. And he is definitely, and we don't use the round pen anymore. We do it out in the pasture with all the other horses around. And he is more concerned about making sure he empties that pouch full of carrots than he mm-hmm. is the grass or the horses or the hay that's out there. 
Um, and so he, like, he is zoned in and he's like, I'm going to figure out what it is that I need to do because I want all those carrots that are in that pouch right there. Right. And yeah. It made a big difference for him. Yeah. Um, one thing I think you said on the last episode was that it clicked for you. When, when did it click for you that it made sense? Yeah. I had said, because you had just started it and we're sharing okay why you had changed over and, mm-hmm. um, and you had mentioned the, the science of it with, you know, really the licking and chewing and the dopamine and everything like that. Right. And, you know, the whole, the, the method talks about licking and chewing and that that's the release of the stress and the tension. And that's what you want. And your horse is responding well, but why force that to happen when you can have it happen involuntarily the whole entire training session. So that's right. when it clicked for me. I was like, that makes so much more sense than the argument of, well, I don't use treats to train because they're distracting or because now the horse isn't working for me, they're working for the treat or, you know, all the other different excuses that I've gone my whole career of riding horses and everything with why we don't treat horses. And it really made me realize like, that's such a stupid and old way of thinking that doesn't help anybody, you know? Right. I, I like, I remember the first time when I was still working with that old trainer, the first time chap went on a parade, I walked hand walked him in a parade and I took a, tr- I took a pouch of treats with me. And every time there was a stressful situation and he didn't respond and he kept his attention on me, I gave him a treat. I found mm-hmm. out later that she was pissed that I did that because another rider who was with us was mad that, um, that her horse was getting distracted by my treats. But horses are they're grazing animals yeah. they graze and they forage and they're just that's but I was like okay well you missed a training opportunity in removing like yeah she, she was walking next to me you could have gone to the back of the pack we were a group of like eight yep. people but you know she she chose not to use that as a training opportunity and I'm not going to not going to take away what my horse needs in order to have a positive reinforcement and have a good time. Yep. I mean, that, that parade was a Christmas parade. It was loud. We're in a college town where we had stupid college kids driving by quickly, even though they clearly saw that there were horses that they were going by and honking their horns when they were passing us. And it was ridiculous, but chap kept his cool the whole time. So of course I'm going to reward him for that. But yeah, so they, like that whole group, aside from a couple of the friends that I personally had with me were, were pissed off that I brought treats with to reward my horse for doing well in his first parade. It's an old mindset. And, you know, you bring up a, an important point that I want to talk about, which is, um, horses in a wild environment, which is always going to be the, the example, which we compare domestic horses because the domestic environment is artificial, right? The domestic environment is not natural. So if we want to assess the efficaciousness or um, how natural or how well something we're doing is working, we must compare it to the wild environment. And when people say, oh, well, they'll, they move each other's feet. Yeah, they actually don't move each other's feet as much as you think they do. Yeah. And they certainly don't use physical reprimand on one another as much as you think they do. Um, Physical, physical reprimand, uh, vocal emissions and vocal emissions are like less than 5% of how horses communicate with one another. Everything else 
is presence, attention, mm-hmm. and that's it. Presence and attention. Um, Gawani Pony Boy talks about it in his book, Horse Follow Closely. He talks about um, the ways in which horses communicate with each other and the level of importance. Mm-hmm. And so um, somebody asked on one of my videos, said, why? Because I said, I don't really talk, especially in the initial stages when a horse is just getting used to me and just fresh coming out of the wild. I don't talk very much. Why? A horse can only see us through the lens that they have. So they see us through the horse lens. We talk a lot for a horse. We do. We talk a lot for a horse and we touch each other a lot for a horse. Right. In comparison. Um, Touch and talk are like the highest levels of communication, the levels of most importance. That's usually um, in the most extreme situations where you're like in danger or you need to move right now. Or I really, really love you. Right. Yeah. So like those are the situations when horses use those. Everything else is just presence, just energy. It's just where your attention is focused. A horse can tell what direction you're looking when you're sitting on their back. Mm-hmm. That's how cued into yeah, you. I mean, are. I have that conversation with Arlette all the time. She, her biggest thing is keeping her eyes in front of her when she's riding her horse Mando, because the moment she looks down, he stops. Yep. Or if you look off this way, your horse starts to go off that way. That's why. Um, so that is why that's one of the reasons the method has a tendency to create shutdown and resentful horses, because we are using this all the time, all the time. We're using this. Mm-hmm. It's different when you have positively habituated a horse to vocal cues over time, yes. right? Like over time, when you build a really good relationship, a stress-free relationship, a relationship without hitting and abuse where you're ignoring everything you don't like and rewarding everything you do. Brooke, I'm going to trademark that, by the way, if you don't beat me to it. Um, <laughs> that then vocal cues have a different nature, but initially they don't. They don't. And so when you're constantly yelling at them, talking at them, and touching them, that's a lot. Your horse thinks that they're constantly fucking up or they're like, they're on this level all the time. Right. Because horses don't use that with one another. They just don't. Um, you said, you yeah. mentioned- You mentioned the- Like Chap. You mentioned the presence. One of the biggest things, Chap used to be a very slow backing horse. And with the method, I used to get, when I was using the method, I would get so mad at him because I would look at video of people using the method and their horses backed up. Like, like it was nothing like they could, cause they were getting hit. Exactly. Cause because they, those horses they were getting hit run after their horse as their horse backed up through the field because, because of how fast they were backing up. And I was like, why doesn't, why would you want that? And I got, I would get so mad at him. I'm like, why don't you back up? And I would do, and I feel awful for it now, just like you. And I would swing that halter back and forth and I would get and his chin would get hit by that clip and everything. And he would, and you could just see the stress in his eye and stuff. I'm like, God, that's, oh what? yeah. But now that we do the, now that we've been doing Liberty, we've only been doing it for a month. We haven't even been doing it every single day or anything like that. He backs up like so fast and so easy because he wants yeah. to, because he knows that right. when I back up, the faster I back up, the faster I get that carrot. So I'm going to back up yep. tomorrow because I really want the carrot that she's gotten there. And, and two, like, you know, last episode I had mentioned when we had been talking about time 
um, how Chap was not wanting to stand still when he was eating so that I could fly spray him. One day, mm -hmm. 10 minutes of getting him to understand that he needs to stand and be fly sprayed. And when he did, he would get to eat his food. And I've, I haven't had to do that again since. Mm -hmm. And it's been a week. Yeah. And I haven't had to put any more time into training to be fly sprayed. I can just walk up and do it now and he's fine. Right. So, Cause you're now you're not battling a negative association. Exactly. You're work instead you're working with a positive association and that's much easier. It's much easier because here, this is a comparison I like to make. Um, if I tell my daughter, okay, it's your responsibility to feed the dogs. Okay. And when she feeds the dogs, she, I mean, I throw a party. You're so responsible. Thank you so much. You're so good. She gets rewarded, blah, blah, blah. Well, she's going to be so motivated to feed those damn dogs. Those dogs are going to have food in that bowl all the time. Right. Whereas if the first time she forgets to feed the dogs, I spank her. I scream at her. I yell at her. She's not, she's going to keep forgetting. She's going to keep forgetting because now it doesn't matter. Feeding the dogs in general is just a negative thing yeah and that's that's what you fight with when you're using especially physical discipline on horses because horses don't discipline each other that often that way and and it's more seen in domestic courses where their needs are not being met their basic needs are not being met than it is in wild horses and we know that from data you know you can argue with it however you want you can convince yourself otherwise if you want to but the data speaks for itself. There's thousands of people that spend hundreds of thousands of hours studying these animals, and they will all tell you wild horses simply do not use physical reprimand and discipline with one another at the same rates which domestic horses do. Mm -hmm. They don't, period. It's not arguable. Um, so, yeah, and you know, you, you mentioned like Chap would uh, just start moving his feet. He would like anxiously move feet. You know, Roni would do the same thing. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He would just start lunging circles uh, frantically. Yeah. Um, and he would start changing directions. He would do all the things he thought that I wanted him to do because he didn't understand what I was asking from him. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I, I had created a nervous, resentful horse. Mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe it works for your domestic bred quarter horses, you know, that come from line bred bloodlines yeah but i can tell you it does it does not work for these mustangs it does not and you can't show me anybody that it does i i would ask for 15 minutes alone with your horse and i'll film it and i promise you your horse is anxious resentful and shut down there's just a better way mm -hmm. um and and none of those ways involve smacking your horse period and you know i say the same you know about my kids, if I, if I ask my daughter to sit down and work through some math problems and she doesn't understand it, I'm not going to fucking smack her upside the head. That doesn't make any goddamn sense. That's abusive. Oh, well, horses aren't kids. Okay. But I still love and respect them just as much. Yeah. And it shows in our relationship. I have safer, happier horses for it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if that makes me a tree hugger or woo woo or whatever you want to call it, so be it. I don't give a damn. I have safer, happier horses, period. Mm -hmm. um, so, which brings us to kind of what we're noticing 
Uh, you know, I it's I'm so tired, Maureen. <laughs> my DMs are just constantly full. Yeah. My DMs are just constantly full of people sending me these shitty fucking videos of people just doing shitty fucking with their horses. Will you please talk about this? Will you get the worst it's going to get? That's all these people want. That's all yeah. they want. They just want the fucking attention. They want the views. They want the likes and you're giving it to them. Mm-hmm. I'm guilty of that. I'm guilty of that in our own messages. But um, I have to vent at some point too, man. I'm fucking, I'm overextended emotionally on this fucking horse TikTok. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I see it a lot, um, I see it a lot in, you know, especially first ride videos, but I mean, there's certainly dozens of other examples, but, let me, um, before, before you, you know, get, the trainers that use positive reinforcement. Before you get into anything too much, why, why do you think it is that we see these bucking crazy first ride videos that mostly are related to the Western community as compared to the English community. Like I can't, I can't think of the last time or if I have ever seen a first ride video for a horse being, being trained in an English discipline. Do you think it's just the whole culture thing of the Western community? Or do you think, it, it, is there some kind of because I know that there got to be English people out there that use the method as well or something relatable to the method. It's a twofold issue, Maureen. So the first factor here is that English discipline, bringing up their horses, getting them ready for a first ride. So they're using the Pessoa lunging system. Mm-hmm. They are um, ground driving a lot. You know, ground driving is something that's lost on most Western trainers for whatever reason. I don't know. I'd rather ground drive my horse for a month and make sure they understand what I'm asking from them in the saddle then just hop on them. Um, so their horses are getting a lot, a lot of prep work, number one. And number two, it is not glamorized in the English community. I think that it probably happens more than we see mm-hmm. based on how I see the horses performing in their sports. You know, I still see horses out on cross-country fields or in hunter-jumper, and I certainly know that it's happening then on first rides but it is not as glamorized in the English community. The English writing community sees that as something very negative, mm-hmm. not at all cute and not, not to be um, glamorized. Whereas in the English or the Western community, it's like ride the buck. Yeah. Cowboy on them, spur them, um, show them who's boss. And so those things simply get more attention. And in the Western community, it is not uncommon for you to see a horse pulled off the pasture as a two or three-year-old mm-hmm. and ridden that same day. Right. Um, you will never see that. You will never see that in the English community. So it's a, a difference of um, discipline in that regard mm-hmm. um, and a difference of culture in the sense of in the Western community, it's seen as like a thing to be proud of if you can ride the buck out. Um, and in the English community, it's like, it's, it's looked down on on the horse on the horse it's like oh that horse is not well trained it's naughty for bucking yeah that's how i perceive it um we'll have to ask the viewers in the comments uh to let us know what they think the disparaging differences uh or if we hit the nail on the head on that one yeah um definitely i definitely want to make sure that we say that we are 
we know that within the English world that they have their own um, very abusive tactics that some disciplines are known for using, like, you know, big lick. And I know that um, there are some questionable things that people do for training yep. um, dressage horses. Broker. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. So we definitely don't want to say that there is no, that the, it's all in the Western world that we're seeing these abusive things happening and not, and the English world is not doing anything questionable. So there, uh, yeah, there's, it's just different. Yeah. It's just different. You will hardly ever, if, if ever at all, see a horse ridden in a Western discipline behind the vertical. Never. Mm-hmm. I haven't. Maybe in Western pleasure, you might. Um, but hardly ever. Whereas I see it in videos on TikTok, English every day. Yes. Every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it just, you know, the more explosive videos, they just make for better TV. It's more exciting. Yeah. Period. Um, it appeals to the cowboy culture. It appeals to the people who feel right. That like they've had a bad first ride. They feel like they can relate to that. It's relatable. Right. How hard is it? Think about that for a minute and everybody listening. How hard is it to feel relatable to a video of a first ride where it was just completely calm and uneventful? Hard, right? Because if you've never had that, you're probably thinking, well, shit, I'm not a very good horseman. What am I doing wrong? Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to think about that. Nobody wants to think about how to improve or what they're doing wrong or what they missed. They would much rather feel relatable to the video of the horse bucking and that person getting their shit kicked in for getting on a horse that wasn't ready. Yeah. Period. Period. And I always look in the comments, especially now because TikTok has updated its uh, algorithm to put your mutuals and people who follow you at the top. Mm -hmm. I always look in the comments on those videos like, which one of you fuckers are on here that I know so I can block (laughs) your ass? Yeah. Um period. That's, that's, that's kind of the thing for me, you know, it's, it's more relatable to those people because they don't want to do the work. Right. And it is work. Nobody's saying it's not shit. I had, I mean, I I had to do a lot of of change within myself emotionally and mentally. Um, and a lot of work with my horses to repair the damage I had done. But I was willing to do that because I want the best for my horses and I want the safest situation for me. End of story. Um, you know, if, if you feel like you're Mr. Johnny made of steel and you're just Superman, you're never going to get hurt. Pun intended. If you know anything about Superman and how he fell off a horse and ended up paralyzed yeah. for the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. Uh, good for you. I'm glad you feel like your bones are made of rubber. But one day, if you keep on the path you're on, you're going to have a wreck like I did. And hopefully you get to walk away from it. Yeah. Because I almost didn't. And so I'll ground drive my horse for a fucking month before I get on him. Yeah. If I need to before to just to make sure that like that horse is safe. Or I'll, I'll spend time uh, ensuring that our relationship is what it should be. So that that horse trusts me not to act like a lion on his back. Exactly. Um, and if that takes me six months, so be it. Yeah. You know, so be it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm doing that. I'm doing that with chap. I mean, chap technically, you know, if, if I wanted to do it to do it the old way, 
the way that he started, I would be riding him every day and putting miles in on him and just making him deal with whatever it is that came across his path. I'm just telling him. You I'm, would be, you would be waiting for, for the next explosion though. You exactly. would be always on edge. You would exactly. be always waiting for the next blow up. Exactly. And I, it took a lot for me to decide that his confidence is if, cause I know that if he's confident that I'm going to be more confident in the saddle, cause I know that I can trust him and that he's feeling good about himself. So mm-hmm. it took a lot for me to say, I'm going to go back to square one and start it all over again. And that's where we are right now. And, yeah. and like I said, we we're not even working every day. Um, yeah, but I'm still, I still feel like I'm seeing a big difference in his confidence overall and his, and he is definitely much more eager to be with me and to work with me mm-hmm. was when I was doing the method where mm-hmm. it was, there were some days where, yeah, I would be chasing him through the pasture for an hour trying to catch him because he didn't want to work. Mm-mm because work wasn't enjoyable. Yeah. It's enjoyable. I come out and he runs from the back of the pasture to see if we're going to work. Right. So, I mean, if any, yeah, I... my hope is that people will hear it. And if you aren't doing plus R yet to just give it a try, like take, yeah, it's not going to hurt anything to just try it. Pit, go go on YouTube, look up a couple of Liberty tricks that you think would be fun to do and just give it a try and see how it changes your horse and then and then reevaluate your training methods from there. Plus R, you know, and this is kind of what I'm gonna leave it on, right? Plus R gave me a consistent horse. I can go pull Roni out of the pasture any day. I can have not ridden him for weeks and weeks and weeks or I could have ridden him yesterday and I'm going to get the exact same horse always he's not resentful about working he wants to be with me if that means in the saddle or out who doesn't want a consistent horse exactly a consistent horse is a safe horse and the other thing it did for me is it gave me a horse who knew I was listening Roni knows I'm listening now he knows that we're communicating both of us not just me to him right he knows I'm listening to him that kept me safe when he got injured because he told me, no, this hurts. Yeah. I'm in pain. And we had the vet out and sure enough, he was injured. If I had still been using the method, he probably would have threw me into a fence. Yeah. Period. So, um, you know, it's like you said, take a couple of days, some treats in a cup and just eat. See where you can get, start with a a simple, silly little trick, Uh, but see how engaged your horse is. Look at how different their body language is, how differently they look at you Mm -hmm. and how excited they are the next time. Um, And if you, maybe you don't want to do that with your horses, right? You think, oh, it's going to make a pushy horse, blah, blah, blah. Look at some of the other trainers that use positive reinforcement. Look at Warwick Schiller. Um, Brooke Jordan today just told me about Mustang Maddie. Give her, you know, give her a a listen. I'm definitely going to check out that Mustang Maddie stuff that she was talking about for sure. Um, or, you know, just look at some of, you know, the evolving equestrian on TikTok, um, Brooke Jordan ranch rumors. She also is a positive reinforcement trainer. Look at the relationships they have with their horses and the quality safe horses that it produces. 
and then make your decision. Mm-hmm. Um, I say, you know, I'll try anything once, give it a shot. And, and just, but just remember if you're worried about, you know, it making your horse pushy or whatever, that that really comes back down to you and when you are delivering the treat mm-hmm. and in what position you're delivering the treats, you shouldn't be delivering the treats in close to your body. Um, just remember that when you, you know, I don't use a clicker. I just use the word. Yes. When you target that behavior, mm-hmm. that is the exact moment of the behavior you're rewarding. And you've got to do it in baby steps. Um, you're not going to get the full trick or the full behavior on the first go. You're going to have to do it in little increments. Um, and if you're inexperienced, start with treats in a bowl, put the treats on the ground in a bowl. Yeah. That way the horse isn't going to get pushy with you because you're not, you're not giving them the treat from your hand, give it on the ground in a bowl. Um, but at least try it before you tell me, oh, it's going to make my horse pushy. It's not going to work. My horse isn't food motivated. That's a big red flag for me too. If you tell me your horse isn't food motivated. I now know with certainty that horse isn't comfortable around you. Mm-hmm. Point blank. Um, so before you say any of those things, if you haven't tried it effectively the right way, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. And, and also furthermore for everybody else, don't ask me for help. Okay. If you are going to use the method or you're going to turn around and smack your horse with a lunge whip, don't fucking come into my Q and a asking me for help on how to make it easy to catch horse. Right. I'm not for you. Go, go <laughs> find somebody else. Uh, th- yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be the one for you because I'm gonna tell you to work on your relationship. And if you're not ready and willing to do that, I don't want to hear it about how I wasn't helpful. I don't right. want to hear it. <laughs> all right. Well, with that, awesome. Well, all that a day for this topic. I think I think we've made a pretty good point of it. So um, we didn't talk about this last, yep. last week, but we definitely if if you are on TikTok or Instagram or Facebook, you can find me on all those at with uh, the the handle Foxtrot Equine. Um, what about you, Alex? Where how do people find you on social media? I'm Scooby Dizzle on everything. Um, that never gets less funny to say. So <laughs> um, you could probably search Alex Travis. I might come up, um, but if not, I'm I'm Scooby Dizzle. So I'll probably have to put that in writing somewhere. It's S C zero zero B Y D one Z Z L three. If more show notes at the in end. hindsight. Yeah, if in hindsight, if I thought I was going to get this big on social media, I might have picked a different fucking username. But <laughs> here I am, knee deep in the shit as Scooby Dizzle now. And you know, people call me Scooby yeah, out in public or oh, like really? they'll see me in the chat on something and they'll be like, Scooby. And I'm like, that's not my name. I have a name. That's not it. Yeah. Um, Love it. So on the next episode, we'll be talking about husbandry. Um, so we look forward to seeing you there. Yeah. Oh, and, uh, and find the high horse podcast on Facebook. And yeah. that's it. We'll see you next time.